0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of ClavesOnline.com. Of course, our guest is Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. He is talking to us about the draft on offense and defense and the front offices. A lot of good stuff that we're talking about with regard to this weekend and what's going to be happening. So before we go any further, we want to make sure you're paying attention to who brought this to us. And of course, it's our good friends from Ameren, Illinois. You'll hear from Chris Landry after we take this time out. I want to introduce you to one of my friends from Ambern, Illinois. He's the vice president of gas operations. He is Eric Kozak. That's right, they're not just an electric company, they're also a gas delivery provider.
1: Yeah, so our number one concern is calling 811 before you dig. 811 is a national number. People will come out and they will mark the lines for you and let you know where your gas service is. So if you're putting in a basketball hoop or you're putting in a bush, call 811. Because if you don't call 811, you might have to call 911. <laughs> and we want to prevent that call.
0: Mike Claiborne here, and a special guest today is a gentleman who's been in the football business all of his life. I know he's been a scout, he's been a coach, he's been in the front office, he's probably even been a ball boy at one point in his career. And of course, we always love talking to Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. You can check him out on the web, you can follow him on Twitter, he's on Facebook, he's on YouTube, he's everywhere. And he's one of the real pioneers, or well, I would say second generation, right behind the Joel Bush bombs of the world, who really understand football and the evaluation of talent. And it's a pleasure to have him on. And, of course, he's brought to us by Amron, Illinois. Chris, so good to visit with you, sir. And I know this is your time of the year. The draft is just around the corner.
2: Absolutely, it is. You're bringing up a, a name from the past, man. The, the many times, you know, I, I grew up, as you know, uh, not to date you, but you know i I, I grew up in a world and I know you can remember where there was no cell phones. I mean, it might have been cell phones, but I can remember checking in as a as a scout for Browns and the Oilers, and and checking in They had the big thing we had at the facility was um like voicemail you dial in and I'd still get that high quest 718 seven one eight two five two you know it was my man Joe bushbaum was. <laughs> Always be tracking us down, trying to get information on players. Um, man, I—it's uh, hard to believe, but it, uh, it seems like yesterday. But it's been a while since we lost.
0: It. Well, you picked up the ball and run with it extremely well over the few, few years you've been in the business. So let's talk a little bit about. This year's draft, obviously a lot different as far as how evaluation has come about. Uh, Very few pro days. So how has it worked for you? Uh, Do you rely on your notes? Do you rely on film study? Because I think when people get into looking at how this draft evaluation takes place and everybody's got a publication. Everybody's got a mock draft, but I think we're going to separate the men from the boys with regard to people who actually know how to amass this information compared from to poaching from other people.
2: Yeah, I think what's really changed this year is the fact that without the pro days, um, you don't get as much medical information that you would normally get in the spring, but thank goodness. And I, I tell, you know, I do a lot of consulting work for teams in the league and I keep telling folks are complaining. I said, you know, we are so lucky. We just barely got the combine in. If you think about, I mean, it wasn't but a couple of weeks after and it's, you know, all this stuff broke this could have happened while we're at the combine because we knew I, I didn't know what was really going on. I heard there was something going on in China and, you know, it was, you know, but I, I said, I don't really quite understand it, but imagine that could have knocked out our combine and, in now in a, in a big picture of things are going on in society. That's not that important, but in the world of what we do, the medical information that we got there is pivotal, but the rechecks were canceled in April and, A lot of the medical work that's done, you've got to go on what you have. In terms of the evaluation, look, I mean, use your instincts. It's how you evaluate guys in the the fall that matters. Now, the one thing that I think that the spring allows for is for coaches to get together and meet with these players on pro days or bring them to their facility, take them out to dinner, get to know them not by 15, 20 minutes at the combine, but for several hours, get on the board with them. Get to, you know, the little things you do, like uh, you spend a couple hours with them, teach them a few things in the morning. You go have lunch. You come back in the afternoon, throw them the pen and on the board. All right, we went over this one. I want you to draw it up for me. You can learn pretty quickly how they can retain and how they understand ball. Those are the things that you kind of miss out on those are the things that you can't quite ascertain from some of these video conferences but hey the way it is and you know uh, a lot of my brethren wanted us to move the draft back and you know the the league basically said the owner said you know they did their homework and people in the medical community said this is not getting better anytime soon and so it's like you know we can sit there and put it's not like you know, another month or we're going to be into a situation that's pretty dire. So we're moving forward with the draft and then, you know, people have just had to adjust with the information that they have. And, and I say, go by your gut instinct and, I think that's what people are going to have
0: to do. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned information. There is a lot. I mean, the scouts and teams can watch a lot of video. They've obviously watched a lot of these kids during the course of the season. So it, it isn't like they just backed up a truck and had some guys get off of it and say, well, who are these guys? I mean, they're, you guys are quite familiar right. with them. Chris Landry is I guess LandryFootball.com is where you can get everything you need to know, not just about the draft, but certainly about professional football. So, Chris, uh, talking about this draft, uh, every year we hear about, you know, certain positions that that are deep, certain positions that are a little thin. Uh, In your opinion, uh, what side of the ball is the deepest with respect to players? And it sounds to me that speed is really prevalent in this particular draft, not just from the receivers, but you had some offensive linemen that dropped some pretty good 40 times at the combine as well. So what side of the ball do you find to be the deepest?
2: Well, I think there's more depth on offense. I think the receivers have a lot of depth. You've alluded to that. I think there's a lot of quality offensive linemen. Um, um, On the flip side, there's not a good year for tight ends. Um, I think there's like normal. You have some depth at running back that you can help yourself out. Um, I think on defense, um, they've got some good guys in the secondary. I think that – You know today you've got you know the corners you've got the safeties then you've got the slot guys and all our starters and now you got the safety slots and the corner slots and the big you know the big slots the small slots they've got a few of those guys but but everybody's missing most everybody with a few exceptions are missing a little something but everybody has something to give um Never enough pass rushers, but there's there's some guys that, that are pretty good in that regard, too. So I, I think overall there's there's more depth on offense, more positions on offense. But I think the fact that with the passing game, you've got so many receivers now uh, that are implemented in three and four wide receiver sets that you just got a lot of guys that are play played, that are very effective, uh, that can run. Some have really big size. That can run vertically. And then you have some guys that are really jitterbug quick. And you have some guys that are impressive at six feet, six one, 195, that have both. And, you know, I think with what the Chiefs have done and, you know, their ability to put so much speed on the field, it makes guys like Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and a number of other guys just. You know, see and visualize what you can do with your offense and building an offense with speed, particularly not just from the outside but from the slot position. It used to be, well, you had guys in the slot that weren't as quick. Now, now you can put guys, move them around, you put them in the slot, and the, the big, you know, go-to route now is the uh, post-corner route from the slot. And those guys that have speed can just paralyze the defense I think people are really excited about having a number of guys that they can look at at that position.
0: You know, it's amazing you talk about the slot position. Remember that was just your slow guy that was a good possession receiver that you would stick out there, and and maybe he can come underneath the coverage and maybe come uh, across the middle and do something along that line. Now that slot guy is as dangerous as anyone because if you get a guy in motion and he hits that slot – He's going to make that cornerback. He, if that cornerback turns his hips the wrong way, just a hair, it's over. I mean, there is no recovery in that situation, and his safety's done his dinner as well. Yeah, you
2: got, and you got multiple type slots. You've got the quick slot, the Edelman that's quicker; they can get open and and do just that. Then you have the big slots that are mismatches, and then you have what we call the detached wise, the Travis Kelty, Kelsey type guys that, all right, we're going to, or with Gronk when he was there, we're going to take the tight end and match him up and, and let him run and try to cover this guy because now it's not a speed issue, it's a size issue. So it's kind of like building your your receiving core it's like building a basketball team. If you're a little wing guy, you got to have your... Maybe a little point guard type quick guy. You're going to have your post up guy, um, guy that can be a threat down, you know, in the red zone like a post up guy. I mean, it's a lot of different ways that you can do it. So I always say when on our draft board on LandryFootball.com, we don't call them wide receivers; they're receivers. Some are mm-hmm. slots, some are big slots, some are you know are X's, some are our Z's. You know, split ends or flankers. I mean, they're all different positions, and they require a little bit different skill set and when you've got some that can play multiple positions, now you got something going, because where do you line up? Now you think, all right, I'm going to match up my corner against, you know, uh, a Jerry Judy. Well, guess what? If Jerry Judy's lined up in the slot most of the time. You better be able to handle those two-way goals and not just be a speed guy, because he's going to exploit your quickness. Or if you're just a quick guy that you don't have speed, I mean, you, you, you've got to be... Have multiple guys now on offense, but multiple guys on defense to be able to match up. So, if you got a big slot, you better have somebody that's a safety linebacker type guy that can cover a big tight end that can move. You got to have the quick guy that can handle the little jitterbug guy, and you got to have a guy that's got speed that can handle the vertical guy. And so, you've got to counteract that on the defensive side. And quite frankly, while we're seeing more and more of those slot cover guys, they're not quite catching up to as many of the slot receiver guys. And that's where the advantage has been, along with the rules, to the offensive side.
0: Well, and I want to go one step further because as we love the exotic position of quarterback and certainly receiver, uh, if you don't have some linemen that can give your quarterback some time to get it off, uh, then we're just kind of wasting our time here. So... I'm seeing a lot of teams now starting to look a little earlier to make an investment in offensive linemen. Give me an idea, and you touched on it earlier, there's some pretty good ones out there. So let's start off with the young man who just blew all the records apart at the combine, the big tackle, well over 350 pounds, dropped a a low 40 time compared for other offensive linemen. Give me an idea of what he's about. But also, give me an idea of how many of these guys are complete offensive linemen where we know pass protection is important these days, but if you can find a guy like an Orlando Pace or a Jonathan Ogden who could just bury a guy on the run, you really got something special. So how many of those players do we have out there?:
2: Well, I think you got four that are really good um, that are I'm very, very comfortable with with taking very high. Uh, Makai Becton is the freakish athlete from Louisville. That is 360 pounds. That moves uh, under five-two. Uh, very, very athletic. Thick, long limbs. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's basically a Bryant McKinney type build. A little bit like Colton Miller, came out of UCLA. This guy can move. He's raw. He doesn't. He has very few pass sets, and they run a different system. So. Look, you're looking, if you're looking for the things you can't teach this guy's guy, you're going to have to teach him pass set, and he's going to be a little different style. A lot of the college systems, some of it's bleeding into some of what NFL teams do, but you still have to learn how to you know, you know, know, be effective with your pass set. So there's tremendous upside. I mean, just tremendous all-world ability that this guy can do things that physically most humans can't. But he's very raw. Uh, you got a Tristan Wirfs of Iowa that's so sound technique-wise. Got good strength. Doesn't have great length. A little short-armed. I'm not so sure that he won't end up a guard at one point. But, you know, he's, he's a little bit up. Got some little upper body stiffness. But he's just his footwork is good. Not great feet, but good footwork, good hand positioning. You know, he's a plug-and-play guy, and if he's not going to be a great right tackle, he can be a really good guard. Then you got two guys in Jedrick Wills of Alabama and Andrew Thomas of Georgia that are both really rock-solid, outstanding, both solid in the run and pass game. You know, uh, I think really good combination of power, quickness, I'm not going to go Orlando pace level, but really, really good, you know, um, guys that are plug-and-play guys that I think would, would make a lot of sense. I think that um, both can run effectively in zone schemes, which most teams run. Uh, both have short, choppy steps and keep their pads low. So, I, you know, I like those. And those guys make it. They're plug-and-play. You don't have to worry about them. I don't know if they're Hall of Famers, but they're going to be good players. Probably make their share of Pro Bowls. You can build their offensive line around. You just don't worry about them. Um, So the upside may not be as as good as Becton, but the floor is higher. So I think, you know, you've got four guys that are really, really good. Now, there's some other guys that a little bit more projects. Uh, You could take a guy like an Austin Jackson of USC that's a little bit more of a project that – Again, I've got 21 first-round grades, Mike, so common sense. You're going to have 11 guys with high second-round value Mm -hmm. that has to go in the first round. So I think guys like Austin Jackson of USC, Josh Jones of Houston also have some high second-round value that could go high. Some people are a little bit higher on Ezra Cleveland of Boise State than I am. I think he's just a solid right tackle, and I don't see him as high as most people do. And there's some good interior guys as well. But you're so right about the offensive lineman as a whole. And with all these four wides and tight ends out in routes, you're not helping those guys a whole lot. And by the way, the whole well, the right tackle, you you better have two tackles that have left tackle type feet because they're going to find their best pass rusher and sink it up against you. And if you're not willing to commit a tight end to help him, they'll be in trouble if they don't have, you know, left tackle feet on both sides of the line of scrimmage, left or right.
0: You know, that's a great point you make. There was a time when you would just have the one matchup to worry about, left tackle against right defensive end. And now these defensive ends are so good with their hands and their feet, they can put it down on either side of the either side of the ball. So that tackle has to make sure his skill set matches up because we're seeing that defensive end whether it's a JJ Watt and some other guys they move around, they find the weak link, and instead of them banging heads with the other team's best defensive, I mean, offensive linemen, they just say, let's find the weak link, and let's just exploit that for four or five plays until they figure it out. And as you mentioned, you bring the tight end over to help out. Now he doesn't have the opportunity to do his job effectively, and it can just mess up everything. So you're right, I agree wholeheartedly. When you come in this league as a tackle, you better be able to put your either hand down on the ground. And play like it's left tackle even if you're on the right side and vice versa.
2: Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm very curious what happens with Jedrick Wills because he's the right tackle with a left handed quarterback, so he's protecting the blind side at Alabama, but he's done it out of a right handed stance. So people have asked me in the league, well what what you know, I can he play left tackle? Well, I you know, it, you don't know. It's like <laughs>
0: We're gonna find out. (laughs) A great
2: great basketball player who is dominant one hand, you you, the ability to be able to, to shoot left handed, right. You know, I mean, maybe not jump shot, but be able to. That's not as easy. You're in a different stance. You see it differently. So now that's a difference. Now he's can absolutely be a right tackle because he's essentially in a right tackle stance, protecting the blind side. So that's great, but I think he, in other words, he has the ability to play left tackle athletically without the help of a tight end. Most people put their tight end on the right side, but, you know, he's may not be as comfortable in a left-handed stance. So, you know, those are some interesting things that that are going to be discerned. Now, you know, Andrew Thomas of Georgia, the opposite, he, I think can play left tackle, but he's also been a right tackle, but for a right-handed quarterback. So, some interesting things that you know you've got to discern there when you take these guys but I think these guys are going to go you know pretty high certainly in the top 15.
0: That's Chris Landry stick around we've got more coming your way on clavesonline.com brought to you by Ameren Illinois we've got a lot more football to discuss and you don't want to miss the next segment I promise and you'll hear it after we take this time out. When you think about electricity and natural gas, how many natural gas customers do you have in the state 816, of 816,000 gas customers in the state of Illinois that we serve. That's so. a big number.
1: It is. It's a, it's a big number and big responsibility. You know, we don't take that lightly and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a privilege to serve the customers in the state of Illinois. And, our, and me and my co-workers, you know, we take that very seriously. So if you think about the state of Illinois, anything but pretty much Chicago and the Chicago suburbs, Is served by Amherst, Illinois. And so our service territory is actually uh, 44,000 square miles. It's bigger than the state of Indiana.
0: That's a lot of coverage. And so when you think about coverage and we think about sources of energy, most people think of Amherst, Illinois for electricity, but natural gas is a major player in what you do.
1: Yes, it is, Uh, Mike. uh, You know, natural gas, we, you know, like you said, Amherst, a lot of people think electricity. But Ameren, Illinois is made up of three companies that all had natural gas before, and those combined companies are a top 25 gas utility in the nation. We have over 18,000 miles of pipeline throughout the state, 12 uh, storage fields, and uh, 1,250 miles of transmission lines that serve our customers.
0: That's that's a lot of property and a lot of coverage, so give me some of the uses for natural gas and some of the things it's being used for other than maybe being on a gas grill.
1: Yeah, so I you know the easiest way for me to describe that is uh, you know I built a house about 10 12 years ago. So I have a gas furnace. I have a that heats my home obviously. I have a gas water heater. I have a natural gas dryer. I have a gas stove for cooking my food and oven. I also have a gas uh, fireplace which also serves as a little furnace for my living room. And I have a gas grill, as you mentioned, for cooking my food. So I got six appliances in my house that run on
0: natural gas. So you're covered with gas, or in this case, cooking with gas. Yeah, I'm you're cooking with, with gas, food. right? I want to ask you about the quarterbacks here for a second. Uh, we've got a good crop of young players that seem like they've got a real future. Who who is the best fit for the for the team? I mean, because you got Burrow, who obviously had a great senior year. You had Tua, who had an interesting body of work. bear is a guy that I think people kind of wanted to bust out. And then you've had some other guys come along and start to make a name for themselves for one reason or another. But who do you think has the best fit for a team? Because I don't know if every team would think a certain guy is going to be their guy compared to whether they have a running game and receivers and obviously an offensive line. But is there a guy that just would fit in just about any situation?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, as you know, quarterback's the most important position, but it's the most dependent. You've got to have personnel around it. You know, you, you just mentioned protection and weapons. For me, the answer would be Burrow. I think Burrow has, you know, really good physical skills, size, but he's got tremendous intangibles. Grew up around the game, uh, really bright, intuitive. There's no doubt. Ton of weapons at LSU. Um, You know, certainly Joe Brady coming over from the Saints and and kind of opening up that offense allowed him to do that. But a lot of it was Joe Burrow and and the the work that he put in. Joe Burrow had one class this past year as a graduate. So he had a correspondence class, and he spent all of his time, just like the coaches, preparing. That's that's why there was such success, because he was like a coach on the field. Um, Now, other you know, I've seen other quarterbacks that maybe have had like one or two classes, but you know, they're out chasing girls and doing other stuff. And you know, like college kids, I get it. This kid just eats, sleeps and drinks football. So I, I really like him. I think he's the total package. Yeah, he's only done it for one year because the year before at LSU wasn't as good, but, and I and mean, he's not going to have his, you know, he's not going to have the, the same type of production that, that with the Bengals that he did in college. It's, really not even possible, quite frankly. But I think, you know, he's somebody they can build around. I like Tua a lot. I think Tua has got intuitive skills. I think he's incredibly accurate, and I have no problems with him leading my team. I think he'd be great, Um, and I wouldn't hesitate to take him at all. I I am a little bit, I'm going to be honest, a little bit concerned about his frame, in that, you know, can he stand up to a lot of contact? I'm less concerned about it in today's game because you can't hit the quarterback today than I would have been, say, years ago. I think this guy has a chance to be really outstanding. I've no, I have no concerns about him. So I, I, I'd, I'd certainly build my team around either one of those two. Now, Justin Herbert is a physically gifted guy, very, very smart, you know, is not as. Um, you know, I don't know that he's the alpha dog leader that Atua or, or certainly a borrow is. He's a guy that's a little bit more laid back. Um, very, I mean, he's a, like a four, two student. I mean, you know, one of those that not only makes all A's, but in the advanced classes, he makes A's. He's just very bright. He has a nice understanding of football. I think he likes football. I don't think he lives football like Joe Burrow. So I think Herbert has, more upside than either of the two, but I would put my, you know, uh, I I, I would bank on those guys having a little bit more intangibles than Herbert. Um, So that's kind of how I see them, and I think they'll all go pretty high. And then I think there's obviously in Jordan Love at Utah State, a guy that has a lot of ability, a lot of potential. He's undergone some coaching changes at Utah State. Um, I spent a lot of time not only, you know, with, with his guys there, but also with Matt Wells' at Texas Tech. I think the guy's got a lot of ability. The fact that he can move and throw on the run, the the fact that at times some people see a little bit of Patrick Mahomes, that's enough to say, Oh, I gotta have me some of that. I gotta try. You know, so I think he's got some ability and I think even though he's not what I would call a first round Grady player, he's going to be taken in the first round because the need for a quarterback is just that. You've got to take them higher. And I think those guys will uh, certainly go pretty high and be effective. And then there's obviously some intriguing guys. I think that some people are intrigued down the road with what a Jalen Hurts might be. I think he's a a Tyrod Taylor clone, a little bit better than Tyrod coming out of Virginia Tech. But yeah, I think there's some guys you can work around. And uh, I, I think, you know, Jacob Beeson is a project, but uh, he's got a lot of physical skills as well.
0: You know, I, I'm intrigued with Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'm intrigued with his leadership skills, his, his physical yep. skill set. He, he eats, drinks, and, and sleeps football as well. And, and I think he's the perfect guy for the right system. Uh, that you can plug in because he's going to make the defense work. And I think he's a guy that adapts well with systems. And I'm, I'm anxious to watch him. Now, having said that, go back to Tua for a minute. How how much interest, how much stock do you put into the wonderlick test, the aptitude test? Uh, because I know he didn't score well. And I know there's always that, that list that comes out and they show who did well and who didn't. But how much stock do you put in it at this point as far as a young man being able to develop?
2: First of all, and one of the things that annoys me about the Wonder league test, we're, we're told to never release that. I have the Wonder league scores, and the reported numbers are not accurate. And there's a couple hmm. of things that concern me about it is, first of all, just like the SAT and the ACT, you can take it like two or three times. So let's say you take the test three times. You make a 15, then a 20, and a 25. And I take it, and I make a 15, 20, and a 25. Well, we can say, man, Mike scored a twenty-five and Chris scored a fifteen. Well, both are true, but the doesn't tell you that we all you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing. What is the Wonder Lake test? People have asked me that a bunch, and I've addressed it in my podcast. The Wonder Lake Test is a test that measures the ability to read on paper, read and answer questions in a twelve minute. You know, you in a sitting, so it's the ability to read it and and answer questions. That's all it tells. It doesn't measure IQ. What it does, it helps to ascertain whether somebody's strong at reading something that you give them and then answering it. So people may say things like, "Well, who cares about if two trains leave at noon?" And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it, it's about reading comprehension. Okay, we that's not to be all the end all it's it is about how you know football but it's how you learn too because it's not about whether we will take a guy or won't take a guy but if a guy has a low score and he's a quarterback that just means that okay he's i've given the test of given the test years and years as a scout i've given tests to guys that scored like an eight but then when i read them the questions they'll score like a 22. So my point is, is some guys learn better by hearing it. Some guys better by reading it. You got some guys that are a little bit dyslexic, or I don't know if you can be a little bit dyslexic. Some guys are just dyslexic. I mean, you got issues. You got some guys with ADD, which I didn't know what ADD was when I was a kid. You know, we know what that is now. You know, so the point is, is what it does, it helps you to learn how you need to teach a guy. Because coaching is teaching. Chris, Lane. So, uh it concerns me at certain positions when the score is low, but you got to do more work. Okay. Can the guy learn? Cause some guys they're slow learners and you know, they're going to be high rep guys, which means, you know, it's tough with limited OTAs, you know, you, you know, you're sending them home with a, well, t- today it's an iPad and they're having to read it and you're coming back and you're teaching it. Well, I mean, you know, if, you, if you're teaching a class in school and you're giving a kid that's not reading comprehension, not real good, and he's coming back over the summer, all of a sudden he's lost. And, you know, well, this is what teaching and coaching is. So we do this test to be able to ascertain how a guy learns and all those things. But we do other psychological tests and mental tests, and we do what I call football tests. I'm not concerned about two of ability to learn. Let me just say that.
0: That's Chris Landry. We thank you for listening. Don't forget, stick around. Tomorrow we will have more of Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. We'll talk a little bit about the defense. We'll talk a little bit about the front offices. And certainly we'll talk about some of the key players that you're going to want to pay attention to when the draft rolls around. That comes your way tomorrow. We'll look forward to talking to you then on ClavesOnline.com.